Have that is one. that real. I hadn't seen that until you just showed yeah. it on the air. That's really well done. It is. He's uh, he's tremendous. Eric Scheffler, rockstarstudios.org. Shout right. out for watching. There you go. go. There you go. Um, you want to do some reset info here, top of the hour, some membership pushes. I what think are we, we have Teresa Walker ready, don't we, Earl? We definitely have Teresa Walker uh, uh, ready. All right. How long can it take you, Mike? 30 seconds? 40 seconds? All right, Teresa, give us 30 seconds on the clock. You can become a UCSS member for $199. that gets you in the starters tier. That's all the loyalty badges, custom emojis, everything else. For $499 a month, you get the coaches tier. That's loyalty badges, custom emojis, overtime content, discount merch codes, plus tomorrow's overtime. I promise you is going to be the funniest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. I can't tell you anything more than that. It's going to be amazing. That was in 17 seconds. Teresa Walker from the AP. Shout out Nikki Laterulo for hooking us up with you, Teresa. How you doing today? I am doing good and uh, happy to join you guys. Uh, I know that things went a little, we were going to try to do this last week, uh, but sometimes things work out for the best. It was nice to see Aditi there at the end. So love her. So obviously you have great taste in, in guests. Well, thank you. Yeah, we love Aditi and we're excited about having you on. First of all, um, I know you know Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, you have been referred to as the Mary Kay of Nashville. Is that a fair comparison like Mary has Mary Kay has everything on lockdown here in Cleveland well I I'm state sports editor for AP here in Nashville and Mike Brabel has given me the first question uh well since his first season uh wow. you know so uh, in fact uh, uh Teron Davenport of ESPN tried to when you know when they introduced the new GM Rand Carthon on Friday uh Teron tried to go in with a quick question and Mike kind of stopped and wait a minute Teresa. I love it. I mean, I, so yeah, even even on the red carpet at the NFL Honor Show last year in in LA, uh, you know, he stopped and a you know TV camera was set up beside me and and they started to ask something. He goes, no, 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 no. Back home, Teresa gets the first question. So I love it. I'll say yes. I've known Mike for a long time. That is a very Mike Vrabel thing to do. That's one of the reasons we love him so much. So Teresa, obviously, we're having you on because we want to get your insight on our new offensive coordinator. We know that defensive. you've worked uh, closely with Jim. What would I say? Offensive. Offensive. Defensive he's calling coordinator, the offensive, Jim Schwartz. Issues here, but. Yeah, I, I have offensive. I have uh, dreams of um, our offense exploding next year, but I also have dreams of our defense taking a huge step forward because they were not good last year. And Schwartz obviously is a guy that you know well. You've covered him during two different stints in, uh, in, in Nashville. What can you tell us about him both as a coach and as a person? Well, as a person, he's very detailed. I mean, when the Titans made their run to the 99 Super Bowl, uh, you know, some, you know, he was a position coach at the time, and they just credited him for being incredibly prepared and having them ready to play. And then he was defensive coordinator, and they put together some really great defenses under Jim Schwartz and you know he, they were so good that's what got him his you know stint as a, a, a head coach in the NFL and you know it was it was it was a little weird the last two years we did not get a chance to talk to Jim I mean you know because of his senior defensive assistant title uh, you know the, the, we were told that league rules allowed them to not let him talk to us uh, you know so it was more like hi Jim so but you, you know having covered him for so long it was easy to see his fingerprints on this defense you know Shane Bowen you know was a first-time defensive coordinator and you know the year before Jim arrived they were I mean dead last in the NFL on third down conversions I mean it, it you know an NFL team hadn't been so bad in decades and they were giving up over 51 percent on third down conversions he comes in and you could see a more aggressive style you know now a lot of times you know teams love to be able to get pressure with just their front four when you see them start mixing in some of those blitzes and things like that you know sending in a cornerback or you know sending somebody else to you know to add an extra guy that felt like the Jim Schwartz effect he can be very aggressive his defenses are known for getting after the quarterback you know he did that when he was in Philly he's done that he did that here in Tennessee and their sack numbers went up you know the only reason that they didn't do better this this year well, the pass rusher Harold Landry before the season started to a torn ACL. Bud Dupree, the guy who was their big free agent signee uh, two off seasons ago, you know he was limited by injury again this season. So, but you could see that that aggressive philosophy. So, you know, I'm thinking Miles Garrett should be very happy to have uh, Jim Schwartz on, uh, as the new DC there because uh, he's gonna he's gonna give him help 
to get better ways and have more chances to get to the quarterback. It's interesting you say that because I think that's exactly why Jim's here. That's why he got the job over Brian Flores and everyone else was Miles Garrett and, and using him in this defense. But I wanted to ask you something a little bit different than that. I think I, I assume that they hid him from you guys because of the optics of the whole thing. But if everyone loves him and he is such highly regarded, why not just hire him as a defensive coordinator? Well, it yeah, I, right. I mean, because they hired Jim after you know Shane Bowen kind of twisted in the wind for a year. He was the outside linebackers coach, yet he was talking to us uh, kind of as defensive coordinator the year before they brought in Jim. Then they then Mike Brable gave him the official title as defensive coordinator. You know, young defensive coordinator, first time DC, and then they hired Jim Schwartz and announced him as that senior assistant. Uh, defensive coach, you know, so kind of like the, you know, shadow there in the background, you know, and, and, and you know, so, but, it, you know, Jim, when he talked last week, you know, he was kind of there to, to give advice, feedback, bounce around from position group to position group, and, and just, you know, kind of be that eye in the sky, so to speak, that voice of experience, uh, you know, to, to help Shane, you know, learn on the job, grow in his position and, you know, and, and better find his footing, I guess, while being that kind of a sage voice of experience. So it, it was a very an unusual situation. And, and, it, and honestly, it feels like that's why they didn't let Jim talk, because they were trying to make sure that Shane kind of grew into that position. And, you know, the, the, if, you know, th this defense, you know, they were, you know, second best year in franchise history against the run. Of course, now they were last in the in the NFL against the pass uh, because they were having trouble generating the pass rush, like I mentioned, because of the injuries. Uh, and, and Jeffrey Simmons, you know, he told reporters after the loss in Jacksonville, he was shooting up an ankle every week just to be able to play to finish the season. And he's a two time pro bowler. So uh, but it felt I think that was more the reason. I mean, you know, absolutely. He could have been their defensive coordinator. But Mike Brable was trying to, you know, grow a younger coach that he had worked with in Houston in Shane Bowen. Teresa, when you look at Miles Garrett and what Jim Schwartz has done to generate the most pressure from the defensive line, defensive tackles has been a, have been a giant part of his scheme. You look at Albert Hainsworth, Marcel Darius, Fletcher Cox, Jeffrey Simmons. They've all had tremendous success under him. The Browns this past season at defensive tackle was, was arguably their weakest position, the one they need to address the most this offseason. In your opinion, does Schwartz have the ability to up any defensive tackle to play at a much higher rate, or is that a position they need to get much better talent at to maximize what Schwartz wants to do defensively? Better talent using a top draft pick certainly would help. But uh, look at Tier Tart. He was an undrafted player for the Titans, and he had an incredible season this year for them. And, you know, he's been very productive despite being a guy who nobody took in the draft. So he can work with talent that and bring talent out of guys who aren't high draft picks. And so, you know, but if you give him somebody – who is a top draft pick, like you mentioned, Albert Hainsworth and Jeffrey Simmons, both first-round picks. He can make them from something really good into something great. Teresa, do you think there might be a player or two or maybe three on the defensive side of the ball that have the ability to move that might want to follow him here to Cleveland? Because there are some spots, obviously, on that defensive line that need filled. Well, that's the thing. The Titans are over the salary cap right now. They've got to clear some space, right? Without a doubt. And Bud Dupree, an outside linebacker, a guy who, you know, the last two years, because they signed him coming off a torn ACL that he tore in December, and they signed him in March. Uh, you know, one of the reasons the last GM was fired in, in December is, you know, you can't gamble so much on guys uh, that are coming off of injuries. Well, if he has his whole offseason to get healthy, he might be a cap cut for the Titans that somebody might, you know, could look at. Uh, I, they're not letting Jeffrey Simmons go. I mean, after the <laughs> A.J. Brown debacle and trading him away, wow. I, you know, I think we would all be stunned in Nashville to see them not find a way to lock up Jeffrey Simmons at some point this year. But uh, uh, Naquan Jones is a uh, undrafted guy. Uh, shoot, Daquan Jones. I'm not sure of his status, but you know he's an interior guy who went from Nashville to Buffalo and has had some good success there. So, you know, here's the thing. There's a lot. He he's coached a lot of linemen, 
And, uh, you know, guess what? They know what they're going to get when they're working with Jim Schwartz. What do they get? We've heard he's kind of no-nonsense, um, very detail-oriented. We've heard that from a lot of different players, coaches, media members that we had on the show in telling us about that, uh, about his, his style. But I, I, were you even able to see him in the building and around the team much if they were kind of trying to keep him out of the way, particularly of cameras? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's one of those fun things, you know, it's like, okay, you, you, you got to stay in this hallway for three more minutes before you can go out. And then Jim would usually be one of the last people to go out. Uh, so I did get to say, you know, we got to say hi to him. I mean, shoot, I've covered him, you know, since the 90s. So, uh, you know, and dealt with him and, and had some good, you know, conversations. At one point, he, you know, he, he, he took issue with me pointing out that, you know, that, you know, making, you know, pointing out that his defense was struggling. He's like, listen, we're struggling in this specific category we're not yeah it's not like we're bad across the board and so yeah he helped teach me it's like be specific in what i'm pointing out you know they were and then i started looking at the overall stats and it's like yeah he was he had a great point they were good in some areas it's just that the there was one area where they were really bad that one year and uh he he brings that like i said he was rotating to the different position groups because you know he is he's been around defenses for so much of his career uh and linebackers at one point i mean shoot he started his career off in in cleveland under belichick way back in the day right. so you know he's he's got experience so he knows how to go around and and, and i'll say this over these last two years while you know he, he you know, he didn't talk, you know, officially to us. He was talking to the different groups and the different positions and, and just providing that kind of extra eye in the sky. You know, sometimes when you're right up against something, it can be tough to, you know, see that, you know, the forest for the tree. And I think that was what he may, you know, he brought to them specifically over the last couple of years. So get back to what you said earlier. I agree with it. The, the Miles Garrett point. How can he get the most out of Miles? I think all of us who watch Miles game in and game out think that there's another level there. And he's obviously a wonderful player, but there's more in there that the Browns haven't gotten out of him yet. How does Jim get that out of him? By giving him help on the rest of the line and, and, you know, finding guys, putting them in position so that they're getting some pressures. And, and, and occasionally, I mean, let's face it, how many times has Garrett found himself double teamed there, right? So, you know, you know, when you're able to, and, and that'll be, you know, who they bring in to help at defensive tackle, but he'll be able to find some ways, scheme up some ways to find, you know, to get him some more one-on-ones and get him into some space to go after the quarterback. And I think that's the area that will help him. He's going to have some more room to operate. And when you've got that, when you're Miles Garrett, it's going to help. Does he get creative in how he lines guys up? Because one of the things that kind of annoyed us this year was it didn't look like they mixed. Every once in a while, they'd line up Miles and Jadavian Clowney next to each other. But for the most part, you knew exactly where Miles was going to be, it felt like, in all the formations. Does Jim mix things up a little bit more, or is it pretty traditional and standard? It, it, there have been times where he keeps them in spots, but yes, there's been times where he'll flip on the other sides. I mean, you know, Jeffrey Simmons uh, is a guy that, you know, listed originally as defensive tackle, but, you know, he would move out to, to end on occasion and, and flip around. And they definitely, the last couple of years, at least uh, a year ago when Harold Landry was healthy, you know, they would flip him and Bud Dupree on occasion. And so, yeah, when you move guys around, I mean, hey, let's face it. It, it, it helps to keep people off guard. And it, it on, when you're on the clock and you're trying to get lined up and get the ball snapped and you have to suddenly look up and you say, wait a minute, he's not where he usually is. That helps a defense. So, and, and yeah, Jim has done that. I mean, Albert Hainsworth would, you know, move around on occasion. And, you know, it, it definitely helps when you can move a top guy a little bit just to, just to make them think. Because when you get somebody thinking, that's when you can catch him off guard. Teresa, this is a little off topic with Jim Schwartz, but let's say hypothetically Ohio State offered Mike Vrabel the head coaching job. Is there any chance you could see him taking that? I'm going to say no for this reason. Uh, he's been a pro guy his entire career. And, guys, uh, I've dealt with this question back when Jeff Fisher was, you know, anytime the Southern Cal job would come up, his alma mater, people would say, Jeff Fisher, ooh, he's going to go back to his alma mater. When Mike Munchak for three years was the coach here and Penn State, you know, had an opening, it's like, ooh, Mike Munchak is going to go back to Ohio State. 
Mike Vrabel is a guy that while, you know, he, he gets along, you know, his son, one of his young sons has hung around the, the team most of this year. You know, he's a baseball player and goes to a community college, you know, just outside of Nashville. Um, but, you know, he has literally been a pro guy from the time he was drafted by the Steelers. He, you know, he spent that very brief time, you know, getting into coaching at Ohio State. But once he got his feet wet in, as on, the col- on the coaching side, he went to the NFL. And he's been in the NFL ever since. And, and guys, I'll just say this. Uh, the Titans' own- ownership, led by uh, Amy Adams-Strong, I don't think they're going to, you know, it's tougher to get out of NFL contracts, right? Unless you're Urban Meyer, um, but uh, yeah, and, and they want to show you the door. But uh, I, I, the Titans know what they've got in Mike Vrabel. They're not letting him go, and and he just seems like the kind of fit that this is where he works best. You know, he's a guy that you know he you know he he treats these guys like men and holds them accountable like men. It's different when you suddenly. To go back to college and now have to deal with the transfer portal where you're literally recruiting guys every day, mm. I just don't see that being something Mike Rabel wants to deal with. Teresa, thank you very much. Great information. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Thanks, Teresa. My, my pleasure uh, and uh, happy to join you all. Absolutely. Really good insight. And you know what? She, the best point that she made on Mike was the last point. Because I've known Mike for 30 years. He is a man's man. Mm-hmm. He suffers no fools. He, college is not the place for him. A, a college, say no more. That's it. As much as I used to think that Mike would end his career in Columbus as coach of the Buckeyes, that last point that she made, I think, is the best point in the conversation. You literally aren't just recruiting these kids. It used to be recruit them, get them in the door, and then break them down like Marines and build them up to what you want to be. Now you do that, and I'm, I'm at the transfer portal. They'll leave. It's like coaching a bunch of kids. You have to they re-recruit kids. your own recruits every year. Yeah. Every and, single and year. You're you know re-recruiting what? the same kids every it year. It is making the job of being a college football coach. It was already 365, more than the NFL, oh, because of close, the recruiting yeah. cycle. It's even worse now. I think that's what's going to drive John Harb- or, uh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh out of Michigan. It almost did this year. I, I heard from somebody who covers the league that he, it wasn't really so much his decision to stay at Michigan is that although there was some interest, it wasn't like we got to have Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Here's the bank. If he has one more good year at Michigan, I think that opportunity will be there next year for some team to literally open up yeah. the brakes truck for him. But Sean Payton's the hottest coach in the market. Like no matter how you slice and dice it, sure, it was Payton one and then everyone else two, three, four, five. And I would put D'Amico Ryan, the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, above John Harbaugh. Uh, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, there, me, there's that one, baggage that, that goes along with Jim that everybody yeah. it, that's in this business kind of understands. I remember folks in Stanford at, when, when he took the job to go back to college to go to Michigan. I had spoken to some folks in athletics at Stanford and, and said he'll wear out his welcome in a handful of years. Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, he's lasted longer than I think most expected him to last. But it took him longer to get back into the discussion as being relevant. They're clearly there now. Well, he took a pay cut after the COVID year. He took a significant pay cut after the COVID year. I didn't know that. Was that voluntary? or uh, They restructured his – I don't remember the exact details, but he legitimately took a uh, – That's interesting. I, I'll I, look I, up the, by the end of the show, I'll find the number. He took a that. big pay cut yeah. to stay at Michigan after the COVID year. But I, I do think her point on Mike is, is a good one. As much as I used to think he's going to go back to Columbus because he loves Ohio State – he loved coaching there as an assistant under Urban, even though they didn't always see eye to eye. Um, I think that's where his heart is. But, man, I would not want that job for the paycheck that goes with it when it comes down to the fact that you literally are convincing these kids, no, this is the right place right. for you. I do think that there will be some sort of structure or parameters. We've said it multiple times on, on the, the portal. show. It's coming, yeah. yeah. This is wild, wild west it's right nuts. now. And I do it's think nuts. that over time something will evolve – because it's going to drive all the coaches out. Yeah. And you both would say, ah, screw them. Who cares? Yeah. But you still need to have yeah. your coach in place. So I do think that there'll be some sort of structure around NIL, around the transfer portal, something. Because right now, I, if there's no way I would want to deal with this as a, as a college football head coach. Well, the power, the, the power shift has happened. It used to be the coaches had it all. Yep. And that is not the case now anymore. The players These players are making money. Yep. And they had they real players have all the leverage. Real power yep. now yep. when it comes to 
I just might enter the portal. And that, and I do think they should have some leverage and some say in it, but I just think it's gone from here to here. There's got to be some sort is of Is the balance. union the right answer? I haven't really thought of that. This is an hour and a half. This is a whole show discussion. No, I know itself. it is. It's impossible to Something's got to change. Something's yes. got to happen. And I agree with you. The players should have a right to benefit financially from their skill set yeah. at 18 years old. Everybody yeah. else in the United States can. Absolutely. So um, the thought that they can't is absurd. But how we legislate it and how we bring it all together, that, that's what's going to be interesting to watch. Top five time. Top so Jay, five time. Disclosure. Full. I, ne- I, need you to, I need you to be bored today. You know how Boa goes bad job out of you guys when he doesn't right. like the top five? Yeah. This is my first ever top five. So I it's need you to my judge nature. me according. It's not my nature. Oh, look, you get no free passes, Earl. You, this is, if it sucks, we're going to tell you it sucks. <laughs> they will. I probably won't. So my first ever top five is my favorite players to wear number 24. Steve, let's go with number five. Wait, that seems random. Is, is your favorite player of all time a number 24? My favorite player of all time is not a 24, but so, it's the 24th. Oh, 24th day of the month. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's so, a cool topic. I like that. Is we Jeff, can do that Gordon, every day of the month. Is Jeff Gordon a player? He's yes, a dri- he's, he's an athlete. He's a driver. Don't start. Uh, no, Please I'm not saying he's not start. an athlete. Now, wait a minute. First of all, let's talk about your love of NASCAR. Yeah, Earl does love NASCAR. Bull, I, I thought was a little profiling, but Bull said, you're a NASCAR fan? <laughs> My family was pissed. <laughs> they should be. Brad Doherty's a great friend of mine. Brad Doherty knows more about NASCAR than any white guy I know. Yeah. Larry Nance. Like, why has it got to be like that, Bull? <laughs> My family hit me up like, what does he mean by that? I said, listen, <laughs> Bull got a big heart. I can back him up on this one. Yeah. But they were hot. Man. I can imagine. I've been watching NASCAR since I was 11 years old. You love it. And yeah. so, Jeff Gordon, obviously, a number 24, and that's a good one. He's one of the GOATs. Listen, sport? he's one of the best racers, and I know, and I actually do know Jeff Gordon is number twenty-four. That's a NASCAR I had number. No idea I would have known. Jimmy Johnson's forty-eight. Very good. I, probably all, uh, Kyle Busch eighteen, I think. I did cover NASCAR in Tennessee for a little bit. When number is Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Uh, three. Three. Well, three. Right. Three. right? His dad no, was that's three. senior. That's his, ah. his dad was three. He was eight. Eighty-eight. No, eighty-eight. 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 88. But he was my eight. guy. That's why. Yeah, that's my guy. Okay. But my only issue with this, Earl, is these are players. Is Jeff Gordon considered, are we considered Jeff Gordon a player as opposed to an athlete? I here? used to say no, but I did the NASCAR immersion at Charlotte Motor Speedway once, and I, I drove a car 170 miles G-forces an hour. Is real. No, no, they're, they're athletes. They're, they are absolutely athletes. Yeah. I'm not saying they're, they're not athletes. And they're playing a sport, a yeah. game. Okay. So, okay. yeah, they're players. I'll give it to you. Earl, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Give it Nuggets, to you. did you really think I was going to miss an opportunity to plug NASCAR? <laughs> no, I just, well, I think players, NASCAR is a sport, and I respect what NASCAR is. That's as tough an work, man. I'm telling you, that is to do that for to, the mental focus that you need for three and a half hours on a super speedway. Because one wrong move in football, and you get a yellow flag thrown on you. One wrong move on the NASCAR track, and You're you done. could be dead. Earl, there's a lot of good 24s, so these next four better be good. Because there's a lot of all right, number four. Yeah, these are your it. favorite 24s, yeah. not the greatest favorite. 24s. Now of keep all time. in mind, I was born in 1987. I know. So, so, so Willie Mays probably won't be on your list. Probably not. Okay. There, there better be a baseball player on here, though. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. All right. It's a good one. It's got to be there. For me, he's the best running back in Browns history I've ever seen. I was not alive when Jim Brown was playing running back for the Browns. Okay. Or yeah. a little stand-up tip. Best running back in Brown's history. You pause like three seconds, wait for us to react, then you hit. I've ever seen. I've been watching a lot of stand-up uh, tutorials on YouTube. There oh you really? Go. Oh yeah. He's wow. gonna bomb. Watch. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it's gonna be terrible. It's gonna be... But I'm going in prepared at least. I'm going in prepared. Yes. But Nick, Nick Chubb's off. Well, I'm Nick glad Chubb's he's on your list. He had to be he on your to. list, or you wouldn't be able to work on the show anymore. And that's so, Anthony. Ab- that's absolutely. Anthony's number one, right? That's Anthony's favorite player, yeah. even though he's a Broncos fan. Yeah. Anthony says, Sorry. yeah, Anthony's a Broncos fan. That's the fan. second favorite player. Anthony is a Broncos fan? And yeah. I'm just finding this out now? I didn't know that. You know, that's why he says, let's ride before every show. <laughs> yeah, he'd be oh. upstairs when we come down. He'd be like, let's ride. Just like Russ Wilson. Yeah, he loves wow. Russ Wilson. Wow, okay. Now all those bathroom to touchdown pass TikToks he was sending makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Wow, <laughs> Anthony. It's like finding out somebody's a serial killer. Damn. Broncos I fan mean, among us. I think Broncos fans worse of than being a serial killer. Of all the teams that you could root for, you picked the Broncos? Now he's back here talking stuff. Next. Wow. Next. 30 yeah, years ago, you'd have been run out of town being a Broncos fan. No kidding. Oh, my God. He, and he took, okay, good. This, this guy yeah, had, to be, ab- had, to be had to be Ken on it. Ken Griffey Jr., man. Yeah. Was yep. he not the coolest he, baseball yeah. player when you was growing up? And I honestly think, Jay, before the injuries and 
all that, he probably would have been a home run king. Uh, Where's well, he at? The thought is that he played his whole career clean. Yeah. That's a guess. Yeah. Uh, that's just looking at his body and how he transformed and or how he didn't transform like the others. Um, but, yeah, I think that's probably – oddly enough, Bonds was 24, too. For a little he? bit. For a little bit. Oh, just for a little bit? Right, he was 25 for the majority of his Oh, career. 25. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, he's got to be on the list, too, the kid. I had the, swinging baseball? I had the Ken Griffey Jr. upper deck rookie card that was worth $100 when I was a kid and thought he I was going to retire. It. No, I still have it somewhere. It's yeah. somewhere. I thought I was going to use that to retire. That was going to fund my retirement. Out. His shoes is not bad either. No. No. No, I know you're right. Yeah, I know. All right, real quick, before you go next I'm retiring one, on a Jordan rookie card. Kobe, oh, Kobe yeah. has to be one of these next two, but I have no idea who the other one's going to be. That's yeah. take number two. Kobe's Kobe has to be on. Kobe, Kobe's split tie between right. 24 and right. 8. So who's but Kobe B, Bryant? Mamba yeah. mentality, man. Who's I take that from the then? court and apply it in my everyday life. Yeah, no, that's a good way to. Yeah, I, number one. Because so let's Earl think about same. other number twenty-four. Yeah, I, would, I thought that would be number one. I thought Kobe was going to be number yeah, one. I did too. I thought that for sure. Oh, give us one sec. Who? I'm terrible Ricky at Henderson? jerseys. You can't. You can't have two baseball. He's not going to have two baseball. No, he won't have two baseball. I mean, he could. He could. Basketball. Ricky was a. Ricky also wore number thirty-five. I give you a hint. This is probably my all-time favorite Cleveland athlete amongst all sports. London Fletcher didn't wear 24. Cleveland, 24. Cleveland. Did Jesse Owens wear 24 when he ran? Did they have Jesse Owens didn't have a number. No. Why did, I mean, if we're going NASCAR. Y'all ready to see it? Oh, man. Give us the sport. Give us the sport. Baseball. Baseball. Indians player wore 24. Grady Sides. Oh, Manny Ramirez. Yeah. Manny. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is a good. You know what? There are a lot of great athletes that wore 24. 24 is a popular number. I Quick mean, story. Uh, I was telling them upstairs. Huge Manny Ramirez fan. I remember Jay. This is right down your alley. Manny's last game at uh, Progressive Field when it was still a Jay before he left and signed with Boston. He comes up bottom of the eighth. He gets a standing ovation. We're playing Kansas City. He steps out the better box, tips the cap to the crowd, yeah. steps back in, hit a home Boom. run. That's how you go out right there. Yeah. That's didn't how you go hit, out. Did he hit three home runs in his debut or something? He did something in Yankee Stadium in his debut. Maybe it wasn't three home runs. Well, he but grew he, up just, you know, in the shadow of Washington Yankee Heights. Stadium, Washington Heights. One of the things I, I always loved about run. Manny was he would intentionally swing and miss at pitches that he wanted to see later in the at-bat. Wow. Just to get it again. Wow. So, you know, he's looking for a curveball away. He flails at it, knowing that it's coming back. And now he's sitting on it with two strikes and he nails it. That's actually run. like, that's next level thinking. It is I didn't level. think he was capable of because he just grabbed a bat, went up there and swung. I, I, yeah, I, I thought he was a free. My favorite Manny moment, though, has to be the throw from the outfield. Right into the ground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just when he that, held on to it just to just take his, too long. That is an all-time I mean, he famously moment. went into the scoreboard at yep, Fenway. Yep, yep. yep. He was Manny being Manny was a thing for a number oh, of yeah. years. But I, he was, was a hitting too. savant. Oh, yeah. He was a hitting savant. Yeah. Knew more about hitting naturally than most guys could ever learn from studying. We just wander around the locker room, take someone's pants, take someone like that. <laughs> I told you the funny story night. about when, uh, when he was young in his career and OJ Simpson was on the run after the, you know, Nicole. Well, I know O.J. Simpson, but I don't know this Manny story. Okay, he was on the run. It was called the Slow Speed Chase, yep. and it dominated TV coverage. The White that Bronco. Was NBA the Finals were on that night. The NBA Finals were on that night. Well, the Indians had a home game, and when he walked into the clubhouse, everybody was glued to the TV. And he goes, what the hell's going on here? And they said, oh, O.J.'s on the run. Now, the Indians had a pitcher named Chad, Chad O.J. And Manny said, what did Chad do? <laughs> <laughs> All-time great because everybody in the country knew at yep. that time yep. what was going on. Yeah. It was the dominant news yep. story. Some called it the trial of the century. Yep. I still have to watch that uh, documentary ESPN did on it. It was still fabulous. Seen. It was unbelievable, really. It All was right, so very, real quick, very good. Uh, me and Anthony decided the cast is going to be overtime. I'm glad that I got the chance to lead with this next topic, especially with Jay and Jason here. McNuggets, I know you are a hooper. Speaking of 24, 224 points. That's what LeBron James wow, that's needs close now. to Nine become games. the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Now, once he accomplished that feat, plus his four rings and being ranked top five all-time in assists, is he the GOAT? It's a good question. 
So that's about a dozen games. There's not even a dozen. He it, may do ESPN's projection is nine games. Okay. February yeah. 9th is their projected at this current scoring rate. When where where will that happen? I don't remember that. Yeah. But February 9th was the day. Okay. They'll probably rig it to happen at home. I'll start with you. He'll, he'll sit a game to make sure it happens at the Staples. Yeah, or the, I know. The I new w- crypto, which, by the way, real quick aside, it's the Staples. The crypto center? Crypto. I know. The crypt. Silly. The dumb. crypt? Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. Okay. A yeah. lot of these new stadium names are dumb. I'll let that's, that's a story for another day. I'll let Jason start. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, I love Earl. I hate these discussions. And, of course, I'm biased. Like, yeah. I spent every day with him, him for four him well. years. Yes. So, I'm biased. And these things, like, I... It's great bar talk. It's great, you know. It's great for a two-hour YouTube show. And I changed my mind. Like, I'll be honest. I, there, when I cover LeBron, I'm like, oh, he's the greatest. <laughs> what if the Athletic came to you? Let's go, go at it this way. The Athletic has come to you and said, in light of him becoming the sport's all-time leading scorer, yeah. you know his career as well as anyone. We want you to write a piece simply, who is the GOAT? We actually kind of did that last year. We did a top 75 and we had LeBron, it wasn't my decision, we had LeBron 2 and Michael 1. Yeah. But Joe Varden and I wrote the story together on sort of making the case for number one. And here, like, so here's, I guess, where I fall on this. And I've gone back and forth. When I covered him, I thought he was the greatest. When I watched the 10-part series, The Last Dance, I thought Michael was the greatest. Because you'd forgotten how yeah, dominant Michael like, was. And I was reminded by that, too. Yeah, but so here's, I guess, what gnaws at me in this whole debate. Why does Michael get a pass for losing? Yes. In the conference finals. I know. All I'm those always, years. It's always yep. driven me nuts. So they you, make it seem like he played 15 years and won and 15, won 15 titles. Right. There were nine years he didn't make the, 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 the championship round. And Jerry West was great talking about this uh, in the in the uh, one of the Cavs Warriors years, and he said, "If I was LeBron, I'd strangle all you guys in the media because like his team has rarely ever been favored." to win in all of these on all of these series. So he gets punished for 07 when that team had no business making the finals. Nope. None. They got swept by the Spurs. It wasn't a very good team. I just spent I mentioned this before. I, I just wrote a big piece on Mike Brown. I went up to Detroit and spent an afternoon with Mike and we were talking about it. I said, that big team had no business going to the finals. When you talk about like Mo Williams was their second best player. Yeah. When you talk about like a big three and you need three all stars and I mean that team, it was LeBron and nothing else. So he gets punished for that. He gets punished because Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving got hurt uh, in the in the first finals against the Warriors. The, the the Maverick series is on him. He did not play well at all. When his first year in Miami, the Dallas, that was a disaster. That's all on him, and he knows it. But why is it that Michael lost so many times to the Pistons, and and that's okay? Like history has scrubbed that away. Yeah, because it, so it's convenient it, to their argument. So had he gotten there a year or two early, had he <coughs> knocked off Detroit a year or two early, and then lost in the finals, and he's six and two in the finals, are we having a different discussion about LeBron? Like I just, I, I just can't wrap my. That doesn't make any sense to me. And for him to do what he did in Cleveland, that one title in Cleveland is worth two or three in the legacy. Yeah. In in in, in my view. Uh, coming back from 3-1, ending the 52-year drought. And the fact that he's done it with three different teams. That's what's key for me. Nobody else has done it. No other great – don't give me Robert Ory. No other great player, right. legendary player, has taken three franchises to championships. And and he was the lead when Miami won. Like, he, he was second to Dwayne that first year, and then he took over. Yep. And he was the guy in Miami. To do it with three different teams is something that no one else You're has done. You're making the case, yes, he is the GOAT. And I think he has a very strong case, and that's to take nothing away from Michael. You don't want to definitively call him the GOAT. Well, I don't. I mean, listen, I said at the start, I'm biased. I, yes, I think he's. I think he is, but I understand I'm coming from a different place that nobody else is. Sure. I mean, Michael Wilbon would punch me in the face if I said LeBron was the GOAT. There are a lot of people that would want to do I'm that. I'm sure. But, like, I use Michael because Michael covered Michael. Sure. He covered Michael Jordan. If you're with that guy every day, if you see the work that they put in, if you see everything up close, you know, people who covered Kareem back in the day would say Kareem is. And I, just when you look at LeBron's numbers, I mean, I think I, think I would say Michael was the, the greatest winner of all time. But when you look at points, rebounds, assists, LeBron's bigger, stronger, faster than Michael. He's going to beat him in history in, in every major he category. He did a lot more than Michael could do. Yeah. The, at a dominant level. The, so it's, it's hard. The biggest thing on LeBron's resume when it's all said and done, 
and you look at the numbers, he's going to finish first in scoring. Yep. He's currently sixth all-time in assists. He's ninth all-time in steals. He's top 35 in rebounds. No one else has those numbers across no. the board. No one. He's going to play 20-plus years in the league. He's tied. He's either tied or already has the record for most first-team All-NBA appearances. His longevity is what's going to separate him from everyone else in this GOAT debate. And whether you, however you want to weigh longevity versus finals losses, like, there's no definitive answer. And I actually, I'll tell you why I lean towards MJ by the slightest of hairs, and this could change if LeBron wins oh, two good. more rings and all that. Oh, good. I get to that. settle it. Yeah. I go down to the, the dumbest test in the world, but this is honestly how I look at it. If an alien landed on this planet today, and I had to put one person in their prime against an alien from Jupiter in a game <laughs> of basketball, I'm picking Michael Jordan to go one-on-one against that alien. Is there validity to that? I don't know. <laughs> I got no clue. But I have a, whatever reason in my gut, and maybe it is from that Miami Finals that I can't just get out of my head, yeah. and it's the 6-0, and which isn't fair because, like you said, with the actual context to 6-0, and it's not really 6-0, and and LeBron's Finals record isn't really as bad as it looks on paper. I'm taking Jordan as the ultimate killer in a one-on-one battle against an alien from Jupiter. By the slightest of margins, I give Jordan the GOAT edge. But when you look at the numbers, Jordan took three years off in the middle of his career. That's exactly it. LeBron's bubble title, which I'm calling bubble title because it happened in a bubble, he was the best in the postseason. He had three weeks off before then. Imagine if he gave LeBron three years to rest his basketball. He could play till he's 58. Well, it, that's... It, it's, just, it's not apples, no matter how you look at these numbers. Those numbers are apples to apples. Era, competition, everything else. There's nothing else about these two besides the fact they play basketball, is apples to apples. So it's an impossible debate to have an actual answer for unless you consider my alien test. And in that case, I'm going with LeBron. Which is, by the way, a really weird way to figure out. (laughs) But I need one guy to play against an alien. Alien. It might be honest soon, by the way. Tyvis, like in the alien test, Tyvis might have a point. But it goes back to what I said about calling him the greatest winner of all time. I do think that's Michael. I think he's the greatest winner of all time. But eight straight trips to the finals for LeBron. Eight straight trips. Like, you know, the joke was Michael made it three times and had to retire. And then he came back and went three times and had to retire. Yeah. Eight straight trips. I can't explain the exhaustion and the mental and physical toll that that takes starting in September and then playing until June. Late and then June. Doing, yeah. And then doing it again. And then doing it again. And then doing it again. Yeah, and then changing teams. And then doing it again. 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 It's unheard of. And, Jay, before you defend LeBron, I got a, I got a pro-LeBron point here, which is going to maybe counteract my Jordan alien test. But <laughs> we talk about Malone, Stockton, Barkley. These guys almost get a pass for not winning a ring because they played in the Jordan era. Well, LeBron had to go against Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and arguably the greatest NBA team ever assembled. Was it four straight finals against the Warriors, right? Four straight? Four straight. Now, they didn't have Durant for all four, but... Let's not dismiss those They needed those Durant teams. to beat them. Exactly. They, they did. They had to go out and get a, an MVP a top, player a top 15 to stop player LeBron all time. James from steamrolling yes. them. Yep. There you go. And that, the future. That also might be the best point for the pro-LeBron argument here. Because Kevin Durant and the alien test, it, it's, the aliens don't have, you know, a second alien from Pluto coming down for a two-on-two contest versus Kevin loving LeBron James. So, I, Jay, I don't I, – I do – recognize the greatness of Michael Jordan. I'm lucky enough to have been a huge sports fan and part of the media for Jordan's career, part of the media for the end, never covered him. I'm just saying I was I was a, a huge observer of mm-hmm. the sport at that time. And then my first week at ESPN was LeBron James' first game as a pro. Wow. So Sacramento. It was. Um I just I I recognize the greatness of Jordan, but I don't think it's as close as everybody makes it sound. And I'll give you my reasons. Number one, Jordan walked away from the sport for three years, and that's got to count and for something. I, it does have. People say, well, that means that he would have won nine in a row. No, no, it doesn't. Nope. And the fact that he walked away is a piece of evidence that I have to put into my equation. He was not a great teammate. Uh, I, I mean, the, Brad can tell stories. There have been books written on it. Um, he was an asshole. The Last Dance. Just watch that. And, and just watch it, and it, it is what it is. He was a great player, so you put up with his antics. I don't know that anybody ever accused LeBron of just being out a, a bad teammate. I mean, to to a fault, LeBron shares the basketball yeah. way more than Jordan ever did. He and, could drive an organization crazy. I know he can. And and superstars have the tendency to do that. 
But to me, here's the one piece of evidence that I always put out there. The 2006-15-16 Warriors were widely regarded as the greatest regular season basketball team of all time. Yeah. 73 They broke the record for the most wins in a regular season. They were ridiculous. They were dominant. They were unstoppable. They were the best regular season team the sport has ever seen. In those finals, LeBron James led all scorers in the five metrics that box scores keep for basketball players. Points, rebounds, blocks, assists, and steals. Yep. Guys, that's my mic drop. That's it. He did that. He didn't lead his team in all five. He led all players in all five stats, and he did it against the all-time greatest regular season team the sport has ever seen, which, by the way, when Steph Curry stands at the podium and retires and someone asks, what's the biggest disappointment of your career? It'll take him a nanosecond to answer. Not winning in 16. Yep. Yep. To definitively be able to say, yep. we, how can you say you're the greatest team of all time if you don't win the you championship? You have, no, you LeBron have zero claim to that. almost single-handedly stopped that from happening. And was it the year they had Durant in game one, the J.R. Smith time yes. expansion, when he had the 51-point triple-double, which to my I've watched a lot of, but obviously not as much as you two, just based on age. That's the single greatest performance I've ever seen by a player. Unreal. Ever. And that game alone, he led the game. And mind you, that was a team with four Hall of Famers on the other side. Yep. And points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. And then obviously after that, he got hurt. I think he did he punch a wall. I don't know what the truth behind that. But the whiteboard. The yeah. whiteboard, yada, yada. And then they got swept. And so that all gets washed away in history. But it does. That, game, that loss, game one loss, was not on LeBron. That no, of course game not. One he did everything human. Everyone else possible. around him. And if they win game one, that series totally looks different. completely different. I agree. They still lose the series, but it probably goes six. But they probably yeah. still lose. But he gets dinged for that because they got swept. And Michael would never get swept in a, in a series. Well, so he gets, well he gets if Michael maybe played the 2017 2018 Warriors, <laughs> you don't know. One thing about the points Plus record. Jordan, I mean, I know that he has played since with some great teammates. Yeah. But. Jordan won all of his with another top 50 player. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's still in the top 50, but at the time when the NBA named its top 50. He, but he's in, that, 50, he's in that realm, that, that yeah, tier. Yeah, Pippen is, it was yeah. an all-time great wingman. And Jordan had to, uh, LeBron had to figure out ways to win with a Rubik's Cube combination of rosters. Yeah. In three different cities, he's done it. And I just think that, and I'm not a LeBron homer. I, as much as I love LeBron, the player and the person, I think he's, you know, he left Cleveland twice. And I'll, I'll always hold that against him as a Cleveland sports fan. But when I look at his career objectively and what he accomplished and the fact that he, has, has any player ever led all players in a seven-game final series in three stat categories? Because if you think about the skill set needed to lead in points, it's one thing. Mm -hmm. In rebounds, it's another. Assists, it's five tools. Yeah. And he led all players. He's the for most well-rounded basketball player. Of and all that's time. and yeah. to me, that's what this argument comes down to. I don't want the most prolific scorer. I don't want the greatest winner. I want my time capsule test is this. 20 years from now, I can reach into the vault of everybody that's ever played this game and pull out one player and start a brand new team. It's going to be LeBron. Yep. Michael's and, number two, but LeBron's my goat. And we were, I was talking to him when, when they were in town a few weeks ago. We talked about, obviously, the, the record and him coming up on the record. And he said, you know what's crazy? I'm not even a scorer. That, that, was, I know. that was what I was trying to make. The fact and, that and he's going to lead. it's true. He's not. Yeah. Because I think we could all agree there have been times throughout his career where, like, hey, you need to score more. Like, yeah. I don't remember. Well, now's one of them. Maybe in Miami – I think it was the first, he passed in his first season. He passed up a game winning shot to Haslam in the corner. That short little baseline jumper that he made 99.5% of the time. He happened to miss that one time in the game winner. We all crucified him. It happened Le when he was here the first time. LeBron, you have to take the shot. You're the guy. And he's like, I'm a pass first player. And the fact that a quote unquote self proclaimed fat pass first player is going to end up number one all time all on time. the NBA scoring list might be his greatest testament to the game itself based on longevity. He's going to play 20 something years and never. Miss significant time outside of that one season in LA, which is just unbelievable. And how today's day and age, at load management, athlete, it, it, 
there's not words to describe so what it is. I think we've convinced you to come over. No, I'm still, taking, I'm still taking LeBron. And, I mean, I just Jordan in the alien over. test. <laughs> you were a Jordan guy, and now you're a LeBron. It took me until this year to really honestly realize, like, damn, LeBron James is What truly, did it? I just think when I look back over the, the entirety of his career and everything he's done, being ranked top six in assists, knowing he's a pass-first guy, uh, just being ranked top 36 all time in every single category that matters for real. It just it did something to me. Like, this dude has done things that's unprecedented. Jay, this record has done for, what, 34 or 40 years? It was never supposed to be broken. It yeah. was never it supposed was to be broken. It was supposed to be broken. Like record, right? Deemed to be One of those ones that never be broken again. Well, when he retired, I remember people saying, this won't be touched. Yeah. This will not be touched. Which, Earl, pull up the graphic of the all-time scoring list real quick. The all-time leaders? Yeah, because, like, look at – he was 2,000 points ahead of Malone, and Malone played forever. Yeah. He did. Look at yeah. Jordan. He was 6,000 points ahead of now, Jordan. Now, in defense of that list – Jordan took three Jordan years took off. three years off and, and went to college. Yes. Right, right. And, you know – So that cost him quite a bit well, of time. Well, James, did, James has played the most time. games. So it, this is not a points per game or points per season list because James has – more, I think he has 500 more games than Jordan. So, once again, not apples to apples, and but it's still a pass-first player is going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to be the most prolific scorer in the history of the sport. And frankly, and frankly, I have to say, like, stuff like this and conversations like this, if I'm being honest, I think it's a disservice to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. When you look at his championships, his all-star appearances, his yeah. points – I, I, I was talking to his publicist. I did because I, I also did Kareem as part of our top seventy-five all time. Uh, I, I, Where did I, he come on the list for you guys? Three. three. He was number three, and his publicist said, "You know how many three pointers he made in his career? It was like one." Yeah. And for him to score that many, or maybe it was he took one and made zero. I don't I, remember. I, I, I was guessing, that but was it's guess. like it's no more than one if he ever made any. And her point was. He scored 38,000 points without even attempting Two at a time. Yeah, yeah, two at a time. Yeah. And and just the longevity. You talk about longevity. The longevity that that takes yeah. is remarkable. I, I just think, I, I just, 20 years from now, someone else is going to come along. Um, maybe it's Wembenaya. Maybe in 20 years we're having the Wembenaya discussion and everyone forgets about Michael and, 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 and the guys of the past. The farther we get in the future, the more we lose our past. And I just... On some level, I think it's a disservice to guys like Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when we have these conversations because it's it's a recency bias of this is what we know and this is what we've well, seen. We we do that a lot in this business. We, you know, when we oftentimes these greatest conversations tend to be in our lifetimes. Things yeah. we remember. Things that we've seen you with know, our eyes. Right. I can't even add Jim Brown in the goat running back conversation. Didn't see him play. Right. I don't know. I can look at paper and right. read stats. We can and, see grainy black and white clips. Yes. And, and hear footage. stories. Right. I never, I never watched him play. I don't right. know. And when right. he did play, they played a 12-game season and maybe a 14-game season at the end. I don't even know if it had gone yeah, to 14, know. but he played nine seasons. He retired very – I don't know. Hell, you're, you're literally going apples and oranges now. But, and I know that recency bias does affect a lot of these conversations, but when I look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I do think that you know he, is, he would be my number three too, but he had such an inherent advantage over With the teams everyone. that he was on? Yeah. yeah. He was on so, great teams, and he was giant in an era where not everyone so was So physically, yeah. he had this, this incredible built-in advantage. And, I mean, if we, want, if we went to a playground and we watched a game where that was all 8th graders, but one of the 8th graders was 6'6", six, six, it would be like watching the NBA when Wilt, especially Wilt. Yeah. What was when Wilt was, came yeah. in, the league wasn't equipped to deal with no. him. I mean, the league was control-alt-deleting for two years. They're like, <laughs> what, 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 do we, what do we do? Can we change this rule? Can we change that rule? Yeah. And they literally changed the rules to stop him. But Kareem also had that kind of built-in advantage and physically – Kind of moved like a ballerina with that sky hook. He yeah. had, he invented a shot that nobody could. You can't touch it. And there was no Good defense luck. to it then, and there still isn't. No. I want to see more people bring back the sky hook in today's day. And like, I don't know why somebody. I don't know why more guys don't work on it. Yeah. Do you know who the only person who still kind of has it is as clunky and ugly? Brooke Lopez will pull out a sky hook every once in a while. Really? Bucks. He doesn't go in the post very often, but when he does catch it down there, it's ugly and it, I mean, he's clunky. Be but he just big goes, goes and graceful whoop. to pull it off, yeah. but. Literally, just it's not by, big. It's, by, it's not by physics. If you just do physics and angles and velocity, it's unstoppable. It's impossible. Yeah. 
because you'd have to be you'd have to be eight foot tall yeah. to well, be able to you know extend out and yeah. stop Wembenyama that shot. is the only guy who could ever block it. He's coming to the league next year. That's why. 20, 20 years of generation knew Wembenyama was coming, and they're just like, you know what? Maybe he's going to block it, so I'm not even going to try. I thought hey, this I, was a cool conversation. No, I'm glad we did it. I actually, uh, there's a video of me crying like crazy when LeBron left in 2010. Yeah. And I actually let a stranger in my house watching Michael, watching Michael Jordan in 97. I remember you told me. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. So That's great. It, it all came full circle. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those, you almost can't ask Clevelanders because well, it's obviously let me, ask, let me ask you this. I, I want to ask you this too. Alien test. Just, just bear with me. Would you send LeBron or would you send Jordan against an alien? I'd send Kareem because aliens, by my mind, in my mind, are very, very small human <laughs> okay, beings. Fair, fair. Shaq. I'll send Shaq. <laughs> yeah. Shaq. Shaq would He'll be perfect eat him. for an alien. Shaq who who are you sending against the alien? I'm probably sending Shaq too. Man. <laughs> yeah, yep. Shaq's the goat. We're just gonna take one we look just at Shaq 25 and be like, minutes. Where the hell did we land? <laughs> and, and let's get the hell back in the yeah, spaceship yeah. and onto another planet pronto. I didn't say the alien test was foolproof. Yeah, no, it's, it's just, fun to it talk was, about though. Yeah. It's absolutely fun to talk about. All right, uh, so I think we, we settled it. LeBron's the GOAT. <laughs> well, Shaq's, votes, Shaq's the GOAT. Two votes on this panel, um, and Earl put it over the top. Um, do we want to do – what do we have? Do we have final takes? We actually got some time, so if you want, somebody got some final takes. Because we're going to do Cavs in, in overtime, right? We don't yeah. want to touch on Cavs here at all? Yeah, we're going to do Cavs in overtime. A three-game road trip. Uh, Spider might be back. Can Evan Moore I hope he's duplicate? back. I mean, yeah. if he's not back – I. I I start to get a little concerned if he's not back I on think this road trip. I think he's back. I think he yeah. went through a full practice yesterday from the sound right. of things. I think he probably plays tonight. Yeah, he's I, in New York. He's going to want to go. Absolutely. Back in his hometown. I think he yep. plays. He it's, also wants to put on a show for the Knicks, who didn't offer up as much as maybe he thought he was worth, and the Cavs did. And thank you, New York, for being such we can, yeah, we can for, for mismanaging that We whole can situation. talk about that a little bit on overtime, about how the Knicks dropped the ball on that. Yeah, yeah they absolutely did. There's also, real quick, for overtime, Brunson Garland is a matchup to watch tonight because those two are going to come down to probably the final all-star spot in the East. I don't think it's going the Cavs way. Really? One all-star. We talked about that. Maybe yeah, we did, we did I, said, that, I, I said we get to ultimately because someone's going to bow out. That yeah. last spot, though, there's like two or three guys in that mix for that final spot. Garland's probably third on that list. And yeah. Brunson's probably first right Yeah, I, I think Donovan's the only yeah. all-star representative but of the Cavs let's say Garland, after the first. Let's say Garland goes off for 45 tonight and he locks down Brunson. Then you, that's a head-to-head battle that you could actually head to. It's crazy. I mean, they had three all-stars last year. If someone would have said next year we're going to have one all-star and, and he's be not better. currently on the team. And he's not on the team. You would have you bet the house that that could ever happen. Yeah. And they'd be better. And they'd have a better record. Yeah, that's the, the That is really puts into perspective how – Great a move this was and how they maneuvered it and how they it, it was, you know, tomorrow is the ultimate is, is the uh, Cleveland um, Awards sports show. Awards. show sports sports awards. And I know that I know team of the year is going to be the Guardians. I mean, it has to be yeah. for what they accomplished and they don't have a, an award for GM of the year or move of the year. But if they did, it would go to Kobe and the Cavs for what they were able to pull off bringing Donovan Mitchell to town. It's really, it's mind-boggling how they got it done. Yeah, I think Kobe will be in the conversation for executive of the year at, yeah. at the rate it's going. And, and I have to, I've got to give him credit because I pounded them. I hated the Kyrie trade. I felt like they sabotaged that window we've been talking about, the championship era. Right. I hated that trade. I thought it was an awful trade. You traded your second best player for a draft pick. And when you have a chance to win, go. Go and win and try and win and deal with the rest later. Yeah, they knew LeBron was leaving. So try and win one more. And I hated the way that ended. But at the flip side, here they are. They're this young team. Their, tra their trajectory is a certain way. They're, everything's pointing up. And they found a guy who fit in perfectly age-wise, contract-wise with where they were. And they pushed all in. And it doesn't and include LeBron. It. And it doesn't include LeBron. But they pushed all in and they went for it with Donovan. And that's why I keep saying, listen, those picks may really hurt in a couple years. It may really hurt to surrender those picks. They may be top five picks if this whole thing is over with by then. But you have a chance to win. Take the opportunity to win and push all in and go. And that's what they did with the Donovan trade. So as much as I hated the Kyrie trade, they did the exact opposite with Donovan. And they're pushing all in and they're going for it. Yeah. Do you think they learned their lesson? No. Not, not lesson after the right but did they learn from that previous no. mistake? It was, it was all – that whole end was Dan and LeBron – 
and, okay. and it, that had nothing it, that had to do with LeBron really wrote that chapter when he leave when he when he decided to leave. Well, they knew he was going to leave. I know, but that him making that decision, like you got to move on, and you're losing your biggest, most significant piece. Yeah, and and, and you know the first time around. Dan would tell everyone <coughs> around him, I'll never let a player hold my organization hostage again. Like, I will never put myself in that position again. So the Kyrie trade for the draft pick all came down to Dan having leverage and saying, you're not going to do this to me again. I have this unprotected lottery yeah. pick. Like, we're going to be fine. Okay, fine. Well, you just shot yourself in the foot because we just got done talking about LeBron's performance in game one of that. And everyone in that Cavs locker room, all the veterans who had won a championship said the Warriors are vulnerable. Like they are beatable. This is not, this team is fragile. This is not the same team as last year. We just need one more piece to really be able to apply that pressure. And they were one piece short. Yeah. So, do you want to do a final take? Yeah, I, I got one real quick. Great. We ready? All right. So uh, I'm not a very emotional person, but right now I'm an emotional roller coaster. Yesterday I told you guys I was cocky about my stand up. This morning I woke up absolutely terrified. <laughs> uh, I was at the gym yesterday, and a bunch of people I go to the gym with also watch the show, and they're like, "Yo, how can I get tickets?" And now it's kind of hitting me that, I, A, I, I know we're going to sell this out because you guys, UCSS fans, are the best. But at first, when it was just UCSS people, I was like, you know what? They understand. I'm not that funny. Expectations are low. They'll be kind to me if I suck. The people outside of the UCSS realm that know me from the gym or just know me friends, basketball, whatever, I don't know if they fully understand that that is not where I'm supposed to be. A stage in front of people making terrible jokes is not my comfort zone. And now that I know at least two dozen to three dozen people who have bought tickets, who show me the receipt, and are coming, I feel like the bar has been raised, and I have zero confidence in myself <laughs> to reach it. I was listen. I can make Jay laugh. Tyvis laughs when you you breathe. So <laughs> easy money. Bull. What, I'll roast bull. I don't care. Like that's gonna be easy. But those people aren't gonna understand those easy jokes for the cheap laughs. And that means I have to get a real legitimate laugh on a real legitimate joke. And yesterday in Earl's chair, I felt like I was on top of the world. Today in this chair, I'm a little nervous. And I'm sure I'm going to wake up and go up and down this emotional roller coaster for this stand-up routine for the next, uh, is it two weeks from tomorrow, these next 15 days. And uh, I'm ready for it. If you haven't bought your ticket, you're part of the UCSS fam. We love you. Come out. And we're all going to hang out Come after hang. the show. What are yeah, we yeah. doing? Do we, are we buying tickets as a group? Because obviously we all are going to sit together. I texted Polk yesterday. I'm still waiting to hear back on Polk about okay. how our ticket situation works. We posted the link on Twitter. It's our pinned tweet on Twitter. Earl, if we haven't dropped it in the chat yet, Anthony, can we drop that link in the chat? You will be able to find it. Uh, we promise it will be out there, but it's going to be a blast. I, I'm telling you, I was really cocky yesterday. I feel like crap today about it. And <laughs> can tomorrow? I keep on some anxiety real quick? Yeah, please. So there will be people in attendance who are sitting in their home Wednesday at 4 o'clock saying, honey, what do you want to do tonight? No, we're going to sell out. They're not going to be able to buy tickets that late. You I'm think? telling you, we're gonna sell out. I sold like 36 tickets at the gym. You are today. cocky. You're right. What, it's gonna sell out whether I'm what good or not. What is the venue hold? I think we. Th I think 350. Wow. You're, you're thinking we're gonna sell this out in advance? Okay. That's a maybe. big number. Then, then let me put it to you this way: There's a couple at home sitting in their living room tonight. Yeah. And they're trying to fill out their social calendar for February. You know, we've got Wednesday the 15th open, honey. What do you the want eighth, to do? The 8th. 8th. Oh, the 8th. I'm sorry. <coughs> That's we've what got, I'm terrified of. And, 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 and honey's going to say, you know, my friends went to uh, the Hilarities. The Hilarities. Yeah. And they had a great time. They said the talent was great. Why don't you book tickets for that? For there will be people in attendance yes. that don't know what UCSS means. Yeah, and that's what I'm terrified of. And have never of. heard of McNuggets. Yep. And then they're going to get in their seat. And now they spent money for a good night yep. of entertainment. And it's for charity. And here comes Mike Polk, our first comedian, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the stage, Mike McNuggets. Yeah, and then and he comes running out. They think they're going to get a pro. That's yeah. That's why I'm crapping my pants. <laughs> like I said, you guys, I was fine with UCSS people. I love you guys, my friends. They're going to make fun of it, even if I'm funny. They're going to roast me for it. But now it is hitting me that this is going to spread. I, I'm, I'm telling you, this will be so. I'll buy all the tickets if no one comes. I'll just buy the tickets. <laughs> yeah, this because be, you've assured us I'm it's going to sell out. Dad. <laughs> You're buying all the tickets. <laughs> Family reunion at Hilarities on February 8th. I love it. But there's going to be people there that have no idea what's going on, yep. and that's what scares me because I'm not going to be funny enough okay, to satisfy Okay, well, then them. now let me set your mind at ease. Okay. Life is a series of experiences. Yes. Some are great. Yes. Some are awful. Mm -hmm. The awful in the rearview mirror oftentimes end up to be great. 
My second stand-up routine is going to be about how bad I bombed my first stand-up routine. Wait for the Netflix I was already planning coming. a career. We welcome back to Hilarities Mike yeah, McNuggets. Right, right. I can't wait to introduce Polk when Polk's open for me in a couple months. Oh, oh, right. We're out of time. We're going to go. Overtime is all calves, by the way. If you haven't joined yet, hit the Join tab on the, uh, on the page and uh, spend the $4.99 a month. We'll see you there.